You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. This is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is November 22nd, 2021, and on Sunday, Atlanta United season ended with a 2-0 loss to NYC FC, that's New York City FC, at Yankee Stadium in the first round of the MLS playoffs. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now, and I hope that you will consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Well, the playoff game in some ways was kind of a, a perfect example of Atlanta United's play this season. In other ways, it was a little bit odd. Um, but let's recap what happened really quick. Again, New York City won 2 nothing. Goals by Castellanos, the Golden Boot winner during the regular season, and the 49th minute, followed by a goal by Alexander Callens in the 53rd minute. That was more than enough for NYCFC to see off at Line United, whose offense really was pretty meek. Um, both goals scored by NYCFC were mental lapses uh, on Atlanta United's part. That's been a problem for this team all season. It dropped 13 points uh, from games that it was leading in the 75th minute. These particular ones weren't scored in the 70th minute, but they were examples of the team just switching off on the first goal scored by Castellanos, he was unmarked at the back post. On a corner kick, he hit a ball into the ground. It bounced high into the air. Brad Guzang watched it go over his head. George Bello watched it come down, and neither made a move to clear the ball. I don't know if they thought it was going out or what, but um, it went in. And then the second goal, also a set piece. Maxi Morales with a rocket of a shot that Guzan saved. The ball bounced off the post. Uh, Callens was the first to react uh, with a header just a few yards away. Here is manager Gonzalo Pineda talking about what happened on those two goals. Well, it's, it's playoffs, though. And uh, there are mental breaks at times. Teams, they'll have some periods of time where maybe, maybe you're not as focused as you should be. Those moments of the game, we talked before about managing better those moments. And, and it happens. It's just uh, whether you can take the advantage in the moments that you're ahead in the game or in the moments uh, just trying to stay calm and just solve the, the pressure in a better way when, when the opposition is dominating you. And this has been a problem for Atlanta United all season. Brad Guzan has talked about the need for focus, for, fo- for intensity for 90 minutes. He talked about it uh, during the lead-up to the game after training sessions. Here's Brad Guzan talking about the team being punished against NYCFC for its lapses. 
no, listen, at the end of the day, it was set pieces. You switch off in, in those moments, you give them half a, half a second, and we got punished. And that's the truth. You can't switch off in playoff games. Uh, the guys talked about it before, after the training sessions this week, and it happened again. NYCFC finished with 13 shots. They put five on goal. Atlanta United finished with nine and four. Really only one decent opportunity, I would say, and that was Joseph Martinez uh, around the 63rd minute. The offense was just discombobulated, uh, to be honest with you. Pineda went with a back four so that he could try to accommodate Luis Araujo, Joseph Martinez, Ezequiel Barco, and Marcelino Moreno on the field at the same time. But those guys this season have really kind of been more islands than teammates. They don't, they haven't quite figured out how to play together. Um, it seems like it's a lot of one-on-ones, a, a lot of, of trying to dribble through multiple opponents, which again happened against NYCFC and was not the game plan. Uh, the game plan was to try to move the ball quickly from side to side. And instead you saw Barco and Moreno many, many times trying to beat several opponents on the dribble. Atlanta United finished with a total team expected goals of 0.3, which is not going to do it in the playoffs. In the game on Sunday, uh, just talking about the dribbling of, of Barco and Lennon, Moreno attempt. I'm sorry, not Lennon. Parka uh, and Moreno. Moreno uh, attempted. He had five total uh, successful dribbles uh, out of like uh, 11 attempts. He was 45.5 percent effective. Barco had 11 attempted dribbles and finished with 91.7 percent. So he was like 11 out of 13. I don't think that's what Pineda wanted from the game plan, and that's been a problem since Pineda took over near the end of August. Constantly hearing talk about let's move the ball quickly from side to side, move the ball quickly from side to side. And instead you saw guys continually trying to make highlight plays. And I'm going to get into that a little bit more when I start answering y'all's questions that you were kind enough to email to me. Here is Gonzalo Pineda talking about what NYCFC did to try to limit Joseph Martinez. Well, we knew that they were putting a lot of people in the middle of the park. It's hard when the, the, I mean, it's not an excuse. I don't want it to sound as an excuse, but when when the field is so reduced uh, and you put a lot of people inside and, and then when you go outside, you don't have as much space as, as, as you would like. But at the same time, I think at times we should have done a better job at moving the ball faster from side to side to create better moments and overloads after, after switching the play. So Joseph finished with just 22 touches. Two shots, one shot on target. Those 22 touches among the starters was by far the fewest on the team. As a comparison, Jurgen Dom came in and played 28 minutes, as did Jake Mulraney. They finished with 20 and 23 touches. Atlanta is not going to win too many games when Joseph Martinez only gets 22 touches. And frankly, he looked not good against NYCFC. He just didn't appear to be moving well. That fire that we typically see from him, it just was not there on Sunday. Uh, that's not putting the loss on him. The loss was a total team effort, uh, but it just, that's what happens. Now, just kind of summarizing a few things real quick. It's that Atlanta and I even made the playoffs as the fifth seed, I think is a credit to to the players. 
to interim manager Rob Valentino, to Pineda. The team, as, as I wrote just a bit ago on a story you can find at, at Doug Robertson AJC on Twitter or on Facebook at Wyoming United News Now, was almost broken by Gabriel Heinze. Uh, 13 points in 13 league games, 13 goals scored, winless in almost two months, uh, violations of the collective bargaining agreement uh, for overworking the players. But they, they still found it within themselves to keep fighting. Team still does have issues, but they do deserve credit for that. And here's uh, Guzan talking about what a long year it has been. It's certainly been a difficult year from where we started to where we are. There's a, there's a lot of frustration and, and disappointment in the locker room uh, right now. Um, but I think when you step back um, and you look at where we were, where we've come from, how we've gotten here, um, there's certainly a base to, to build upon. So before I kind of talk about my thoughts on the offseason, and, and I think we're going to get a chance to talk to um, some of the front office people tomorrow. I think Atlanta United is considering setting up availability for that now that the season is done. I want to get into y'all's questions because you sent me a lot of excellent questions, and then we'll get into some of my thoughts if I haven't already shared them in your answers. But before we start, I'm going to take my customary quick coffee sip to get this old brain popping. All right, we're going to start with Pat Williams, um, who emailed me. Pat's a friend of the podcast, has sent questions throughout the year, and I want to thank him for that. I want to thank all of you for all your questions. Pat says, I mentioned this to Conti and Chu, that's Mike Conti and Jason Longshore, who expertly handle radio for the uh, team's broadcast. But Phil, we really feel we need a player to sport the captain's armband. He says he thought Anton Walks did a good job this year and would have rather seen him in yesterday compared to Alan Franco, given the field and the needed leadership. That's not a knock on Guzan, but we need to stabilize things after the first goal. Although many seem a fluke, I, I don't know because of how open he was. Okay. Uh, and he says, I have seen times this season when Barco has been vocal with other players in a positive way the second half of the season. Yeah, Pat, I agree with you. This has been, I think, a problem – for quite a while, actually, uh, this season. It needs someone in the middle of the field who will kind of plant the flag, so to speak, and, and say, rally around me. The team doesn't have that right now. That's why I think that you haven't seen a lot of fire at times from this team. Um, you haven't seen that urgency that that you would think you would see, particularly in must-win games, because there's not a captain on the field. Guzan can't go out onto the field and be that guy. That's going to rally the players. And Joseph just looked dispirited yesterday. Um, I don't know why, but it needs a Lorenowitz. It needs a Parkhurst. It needs someone in the middle of the field who um, is going to be able to do that. And Carlos Bocanegra has already said that the team is going to look to add a couple of veterans. Uh, Guzan was asked yesterday if he thinks that, that it's important that the team does so. And he said yes, because MLS is such a unique league. You need guys who have been here before. You need guys who know what it's going to take to get things done. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's what the team needs. I think there are guys on the team that could be that guy. Brooks Lennon, I think, could be that guy. But it just takes experience and it, it takes guys who've won things in the league, I think, for the other players to to give that not only that respect, but give that ear and attention to what they are saying. Um, and right now – the team just doesn't have that. Here's a very, very long email uh, from friend of the podcast, Alex. He wants to caveat this 
that this is sports hate and not real emotions, as Bill Simmons likes to say. And here we go. I am frankly embarrassed, and he underlined embarrassed, and disappointed to be an Atlanta United fan right now after yesterday's performance. That was one of the most dysfunctional showings in such an important match, and yet how can I really be surprised? I can't shake the feeling that after our high point of the season winning against DC United and the team celebrating in the supporter section, our team has played like a bunch of entitled brats. And then he puts this in all caps. You cannot win simply by showing up with a high wage bill. End caps. The manner and timing of both goals was emblematic of our season. A little bad luck, but we just took it instead of trying to do something. I understand overall our season was successful in light of the Heinze scandal, but that was a month ago. To a certain extent, our team should be judged more harshly given the immense potential we have. All that to say, how do we fix this? Well, I think some of it goes to Pat's question and my answer to that. You need a couple of more veteran leaders uh, on the field either starters or guys who you know are going to be the Kevin Kratz 12th man type player off the bench. And the team just doesn't have that now. You you look at the starting lineup yesterday, and more than half the players had never been at Yankee Stadium before. More than half the players <clears throat> had never been in an MLS playoff game before. Uh, that is a tough, tough ask uh, for some of those guys. But you're right about the lack of intensity. It's been a problem for two, two and a half years. Now, um, it seems like the players think, or I don't know what they think, but it does appear as if they know they're very, very talented and that other teams are just going to roll over when they walk onto the field. And that is not what's going to happen. It just doesn't work that way. Here's Brad Guzan talking a little bit about what was missing. There needs to be more of an attacking edge, I think, consistently. Listen, I'm on both sides of the ball, defensively and and attacking-wise, you know, we can certainly get better at on all areas of the field, but an understanding of how to consistently attack and, and put teams under real pressure, home or away. Yeah, that was uh, actually a question about the offense, but I think it kind of fit everyone's thoughts about the team in general. Now we're going to go to Nick, a friend of the podcast. Thanks for all of your covers this season and for the podcast. We well, are welcome, Nick. I appreciate y'all's listening. And actually, the the preview podcast, the first time I did it this season, and credit to uh, Jay Black, who is a, a longtime Atlanta fixture, but a new AJC employee for kind of pushing me to do the preview podcast. It was the most listened to of all the podcasts this season. So I want to thank y'all for that. Uh, Nick continues, here's your courtesy pause for a playoff-sized coffee sip. Thank you, Nick. Mm, that's good coffee. Uh, My question is in response to one of your tweets. You said that the team could either go all in for MLS Cup in 2022 or build a more sustainable contender for years to come. Could you please explain what each of these looks like a little more and give your prediction on what will happen? I'm not sure which I'd rather have. Okay, Nick, uh, this, this is a tough question, and I've been thinking about this a lot. You have some guys on the team that make a lot of money. You have guys on the team that make less money that... Uh, may not perform quite as well, but you could use that difference in cost to add depth and competition throughout the roster. So there are guys like Brad Guzan, who I think is still a top five goalkeeper in Major League Soccer, but does make a lot of money. You compare it to Alec Can, who doesn't make as much money, but who is a could be a starter for a lot of teams in Major League Soccer. What does Atlanta United want to do? Do they want to leave Guzan exposed? In the expansion draft, do they want to keep him? I don't think you can go wrong. 
uh, keeping him. I, I think that, you know, he, he's a, a great benefit to the team, but it is a salary cap league and you have decisions to make in regard to that. You've got a guy like Marcelino Moreno who makes a lot of money, but who I think, well, can either win you a game with a moment of individual brilliance or simply kills the tactics by over dribbling. Like he's trying to recreate that goal he scored against DC United over and over again. And then you've got young guys behind him that, like Wolf, who need playing time. And I don't know when they're going to get it. You've got Barco, who I think is likely going to be sold. If he's not sold, Atlanta United still needs to make a very difficult decision with him. Um, he's a guy who, again, he set career highs and goals and assists. But when it comes to executing a game plan, I think that there might be issues there. Um, if the team had Emerson Hyman yesterday, he's a guy who will pass and move in the middle of the field because he knows he's not going to beat people off the dribble. That's what Pineda wanted, and that's not what the team was doing yesterday. And then you've got a very, very tough decision with Joseph Martinez, who I thought was going to look better near the end of the season. Uh, that wonder goal against the Cincinnati aside just doesn't look anywhere close to what he was but it takes a while to get over knee injuries so we'll have to see I don't think Atlanta United is going to get rid of them by any stretch of the imagination but I don't know if they want to try to renegotiate his contract if that's if they can within the CBA or what to try to free up some cash then you got guys like Jurgen Dom who make a lot of money you've got a lot of homegrowns coming through they need time they need playing time um to get better, or you're going to end up with a lot of situations like with the first group of homegrowns, none of whom except for George Bellow are on the team anymore. It's some really tough decisions that the team is going to have to make. All right, let's go on to the next question. Mark, uh, what are the club's offseason needs? After the supplemental draft, what pieces will Atlanta United add, subtract, to make the team better? I've, I've covered some of this uh, in the podcast. Um I think they need a veteran central midfielder. You've got to decide if Emerson Hyman is going to be an attacking midfielder or that second defensive midfielder. I thought when he was the second defensive midfielder uh, under Frank DeBoer that he and, and Donington Nagby had a really good relationship. I think that might be a better position for him than attacking midfielder. So in that way, the team would need an attacking midfielder. Now, Diego Almada might be that guy. Carlos Bocanegra implied last week that that deal is still not done. Um, so we'll see what happens in that regard. But he is a player of immense potential. But we've kind of seen this play before, Mrs. Lincoln. And so we've got to see how that works. They need that veteran leader. They need uh, a little bit of competition, better competition, I think, at left back. That's not a knock on Mikey Ambrose. It could be Andrew Gutman if they end up pulling him back from his loan at Red Bull in case they've sold – George Bellow, they definitely need a better backup striker or, or actually even maybe competition, for jo hard competition for Joseph Martinez uh, to try to, to get him going next season. Uh, I think Joseph is going to be fine. It could take a year to get over knee stuff. And remember, he had another surgery in December of last year. So it, it would be a year next month from that. So we'll, we'll see how he looks. Um, i go on to our next question. Uh, this is from another Mark, season ticket holder, longtime listener. Thank you for covering the five stripes all season. Well, thank you. Who stays? Who should go? Uh, I'm going to get a lot more into that as we get a little bit closer to the expansion draft. I've shared some of my thoughts on that already. Um, 
Second question, is it me or do we completely lack speed in key spots, wide spots, midfield? We seem extremely slow in our role players. How do we address this? I think that the team does lack some speed in some starting spots. I think Marcelino Moreno, very much this season compared to seasons past, looks like he's running with concrete boots right now. Uh, George Bello and Brooks Lennon have speed. Araujo has speed. Barco is more quick than fast. Um, I think he started to lose some of that quickness in the the last part of the season. Instead of being able to get away from people on the dribble, they were catching up to him and fouling him. And, you know, fouls are great. Atlanta did well on set pieces. But every once in a while, you've still got to be able to complete that counterattack rather than have the play stop 40 yards from goal. Um, Third question, how will Atlanta United address the need to best support Joseph? Well, they need another striker. I don't know if Jackson Conway is the guy. I think he really needs to spend a season with the twos playing a lot uh, because when he would come in for Atlanta United this season and spot starts, he just didn't have it. And I think that's just a lack of experience and playing time. But I think he's got potential. Do you see us signing a ton of Mexican talent? I hope not. South America has been good to us. I guess that's a reference to Pineda. And no, I don't see the team signing a ton of Mexican talent. You know, Jurgen Dom, nice guy, bless his heart. It has not worked out. I'll be stunned if he's still with the team next season. Eric Torres, once again, super nice guy, stunned if he's with the team next season, though he does not make very much money, so he's easily a third striker option. So we'll see there. Uh, What else we have? Uh, Bailey, first off, thank you for providing us fans with insightful articles about the club throughout the season. Well, you're welcome, Bailey. I appreciate your email and reading, and I hope you'll subscribe to the AJC if you don't already. My question is about the offseason needs and I'm sure it's been asked already, but my question to you is what do you think is the biggest concern going into the offseason that needs to be taken care of before next season? Do you think it's building depth, starting positions, or something else? Thank you again, and I look forward to this podcast. Well, thank you again, Bailey. I'm going to take a quick coffee sip and try to get a little bit more into that question. Well, the team's got to figure out if it has offers for Barco, Bello, Robinson, for example, if it wants to accept them, or again, if it wants to kind of build and try to win – MLS Cup, not that it can't win MLS Cup, but improve its probability of winning MLS Cup next season. Um, and then it's got it needs some veteran leaders. It needs some better depth across a lot of positions, as I said on some of the previous questions. Uh, better depth at left back. I think the depth is good at right back. Better depth at attacking midfielder or central midfielder. That was kind of robbed when Emerson Hyman suffered his injury. I think the team needs to decide what it wants to do with Mateus Ozetu. I still don't know what he brings. He had a couple of flashes of some really good performances, either under Valentino or Pineda. And then it's just he's just kind of there. But he doesn't really seem to do any one thing particularly well. And I'm going to put a caveat on that, that I often say that about central midfielders, defensive midfielders. And maybe some of it is you don't notice them until they make a mistake. Um, so we'll see what the team does uh, with him. Scott Boone, who gets protected and who does it in the expansion draft. I'm going to cover that a little bit closer to the expansion draft, Scott. Does Atlanta buy out uh, Jurgen Dom's contract? Uh, I don't know if they'll need to. Uh, it could expire for all we know. He didn't qualify in the MLSPA information that was released a couple of weeks ago about players who were out of contract or players who don't have options exercised. I don't think he met the criteria to be in that list. Um there are other moves that could free up uh, attacking – oh, allocation money used an uh, acronym. 
Uh, Hyman is another expensive player. Guzan is another expensive player uh, that could all free up uh, allocation money. Ben, I'm going to need a lot of coffee to hold me over until next season. (laughs) As always, I hope you're enjoying your cup. I am, Ben. Thank you. The first two Eastern Conference playoff games were pretty insufferable, I would agree. Philly got uh, bailed out by Jacob Glesnus once again with a fantastic goal, by the way. And looks much like themselves all season, very uninspiring. Much like most of the regular season, Atlanta switched off again for three minutes and created an impossible hole to climb out of, I would agree. One recurring theme to me for Atlanta since 2017 is their inability to play in tight spaces. The players seem to crowd each other and never be in the right place. Why haven't any of the five managers figured this out? Now, now this is an interesting question, and I kind of allude to this quite a few times. But when five managers can't figure it out, eventually you have to wonder, well, is it the players? And this goes to what I was talking about before about some players, I suspect, just not able to execute tactics once the game starts. And one of those could be Barco. I don't know because we don't know exactly what the tactics were. One of them could be Moreno. But again, I don't know. They could have been doing exactly what they were being asked to do. Um, But that it it is an issue. Uh, Atlanta United wins a lot of games with moments of individual brilliance and not a lot because of, in my opinion, the execution of tactics or, or they win because of set pieces. That's not a bad way to win. I mean, a win is a win. It doesn't matter how it comes. But you would think with the money that the team has spent that you wouldn't have to rely on those moments all the time. And it seems like that has been an issue for Atlanta United really. And this goes back to even Tata uh, toward the end of uh, the 2018 season. Now, there is one more question that was sent to me last week that I'm going to search for here really quick. Uh, an interesting idea for how to rebrand the Supporter Shield, and this comes from Hernando. Thank you, Hernando, for sending this to me. He says, I'm a longtime listener, first-time writer. In my opinion, MLS's unbalanced schedule greatly diminishes the value of the Supporter Shield. I have an idea to rebrand and restructure it and would like to hear your opinion. I think the top team in the Eastern Conference should play the top team of the Western Conference to be crowned as that season's Supporter Shield winner. The game should be played at the home of the team with the highest number of points. The final game of the Supporter Shield could easily be played on the same week as the first round playoff games. I would rebrand the Shield from Supporter Shield to Supporters Cup or Supporters Championship Cup or Supporters Gold Cup. Thoughts? Well, to do that, it kind of takes away from the Supporter Shield because it's supposed to go to the team with the most points. And if the Western Conference team has a lot more points and the Eastern Conference team has a lot more points, it gives the other team the possibility of winning something that they may not deserve. So I don't know if that would work. I like this idea much better than the playoffs, to be honest with you. When you play 34 games over a season that lasts about 10 months, I don't really see the point of playoffs. And I think this is true about NBA, baseball, hockey, everything else. It's a long slog. The team with the most points should be crowned the champ. Uh, But I'm a little European in that view of sports. But I like the thought, Hernando. Please keep sending me questions. Uh, please keep following me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Lenny United News Now. I very much appreciate it. Now let's go into a little bit more about the offseason. Uh, here is Gonzalo Pineda talking about what he was happy about with the team and what he thinks he can work on this offseason. Well, I'm, I'm happy with the mentality of the team in general. I think that uh, just coming back from the bad start that the team had and, and everybody just did what they had to do to come back in a strong way. 
I think there's a stat that says that since I took over in August the 12th, no one made more points than this club. And that's great to the players. I think they, they did a fantastic job at coming back. Uh, and, and today was, again, a, a proof for me, the heart of the team. And they never give up. So, yeah, uh, Pineda is a, is a positive guy. He's never going to criticize the players uh, to the media. And that's to his credit. It's worked. Uh, the team went 7-3-3 three, and three under Pineda. It's kind of the same is true of Valentino. The team went 4-2-2. Two, and two under him after the disastrous start that was Gabriel Heinze. So we'll see what happens. And I'm going to end the podcast here with probably the most important question uh, for the team this year. And was this season a success? I think it was. Um, They made the playoffs. They overcame the horrible start. They overcame the horrible working conditions imposed under Gabriel Heinze, the poor morale throughout the organization that was a result of, of Heinze's lack of respect, I guess you could say, for MLS and rules and and being a team player. Um, And that was hard to do. This team could have easily given up, and it didn't. It kept fighting. It made the playoffs. It gave itself a chance to win a trophy. It was unsuccessful. I think another year under Pineda, a few more changes in the roster. And this team has a lot of potential to do some really, really good things uh, next year at the very least. And then we'll see going forward. But – because I don't play, I'm going to let Brooks Lennon uh, finish with his thoughts on if this season was a success, and then I will wrap up the podcast after he's done. Yeah, it's just hard to put into words how I feel right now. Yeah, tough season overall. I thought we you know, fought back from a lot of adversity throughout the whole year. That's a success in itself. Um, this is a franchising club that should be in the playoffs every single season and, you know, pushing to win a trophy. So us coming up short tonight, uh, our ultimate goal of lifting a trophy is, is really tough and it hurts. All right. We're going to wrap up this edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I, again, want to thank everyone for sending in their questions. I want to thank Jay Black for helping me out with uh, putting this audio in. This is kind of a new thing for me. It's mostly been kind of a, a one-man backyard play kind of a podcast, me just talking into my phone and then posting it on a megaphone and off we go. And it's been a success. Uh, It's got more downloads than it ever has. Um, And again, that's a credit to y'all. It's a credit to the team and and the players and everyone for making the season interesting uh, for y'all's insightful questions. We don't have any more games now. So now the podcasts are going to be looking ahead or about moves that were just made or about signings that may or may not have been made. Uh, I want to wish all of y'all a happy Thanksgiving. I might do one more podcast uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday if we do get to talk to Darren Eels or Carlos Bocanegra, wrapping up their thoughts on the season and then also looking forward. And then I hope you all have a great Thanksgiving. Please drive safely. Please travel safely. Hug your loved ones. Follow me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC, on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. Please consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. We've got a lot of excellent coverage about a lot of good sports teams in the, in the city and the state. Georgia's number one. The Hawks are rallying. The Braves have an interesting offseason. Georgia State just became bowl eligible for the third consecutive season, which is a huge congratulations to Sean Elliott and Charlie Cobb and, and Mike and Allison and, and all those guys over there. Kennesaw State just won the Big South title again. Uh, we got coverage of all of that. Georgia Tech basketball beat Georgia the other day. Big season for them. The football team is kind of still rebuilding, rebranding, but we're going to have coverage of Georgia, Georgia Tech all week. 
I hope you'll consider subscribing to the paper. This is another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. I'm Doug Robertson. Atlanta United season is over after a 2-0 loss to NYC in the first round of the MLS playoffs. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.